Welcome to Deep Focus, a radio show about movies in New Haven. I'm your host, Tom Breen. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the New Haven Documentary Film Festival, which begins its third year of programming this Thursday, June 2nd, at the Whitney Humanities Center on Wall Street in downtown New Haven. From Thursday the 2nd through Sunday, June 12th, this celebration of local cinema will bring 15 documentary features and 26 documentary shorts to the Elm City. Many of the movies are by local filmmakers or about local subjects, and all of the screenings are free and open to the public. To talk about this festival, I'm very happy to welcome to the studio Professor Charles Musser. Charlie is a professor in the American Studies and Film and Media Studies programs at Yale University, where he teaches courses on American cinema documentary film, and many other topics. He's an accomplished author and scholar of the history of cinema, a documentary filmmaker in his own right, and along with local filmmaker and former guest on this show, Gorman Bouchard, uh, one of the founders and co-directors of the New Haven Documentary Film Festival. Professor Musser, Charlie, thanks very much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure Thank to have you. you here. So, Charlie, I wonder if you could introduce uh, me and any of the listeners who may not be familiar with NH Docs to this festival. How did it come about, and what is what is its mission? Yeah, well, when I returned to filmmaking and uh, had my film in the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival in Missoula, Montana, uh, I was really uh, astonished to meet a fellow filmmaker from New Haven whose wife actually ran Willoughby's, which was half a block from my office. And so here we are. We'd been, if you will, working next to each other. He must be in that coffee shop on and off almost a few times a week anyway. And we'd never met. And and this was like a a kind of sign of how fragmented the the filmmaking community in New Haven was. And so, in fact, by the time we got out to the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival, it turned out that there were four New Haven filmmakers there. And none of... I knew the other two because they were sort of within the academic world, but the none of them knew Gorman. Uh, and Gorman is easily the most productive of all of all of us. In fact, he probably makes more documentaries uh, in the last five years than the three of us have done, you know, throughout our entire lives. I mean, he's that productive. So, you know, it was just we got together and we hit it off, and we we felt like we had to do something about this, about creating community, uh, a community of filmmakers, and also an audience of community of, of viewers. Um, so I, actually the, the festival started when we came back uh, to New Haven and we just sh- showed all four of our films. Each one of us showed our most recent film. And, uh, you know, people came and then we, we felt like, well, this was a good starting point, but, you know, we wanted to not just show our work, we wanted to show work by other New Haven filmmakers and use the festival really as a way to meet other people, to meet other filmmakers to you know, help extend that community from what was initially our four people to to a much larger group. Well, I mean, you know, in some ways we were almost too late because two of our four, uh, Jacob Bricka and Lisa Malamot, uh, ended up having to move to uh, to to uh, New Mexico to teach out there. So we lost half of our group. But Gorman and I uh, continue now as co-directors, and then we began to work with other filmmakers, Carol Evans, Rebecca Abbott, um, and, and a bunch of other people to uh, do the second year, and then now the third year. So last year, we had a weekend of documentaries, uh, you know, and it was, I, I think, a very promising, if you will, serious beginning, right? The first one was sort of sort of for you know, friends and family almost. Uh, 
But it and, also sounds like it was a kind of a test run of this idea, right? You had four founders and you sh- each right. showed your own movies, right? And I don't know how, I mean, what was the response to that first year's festival? Was it mostly friends and family in attendance as well? Were they? No, some people uh, found their way. I, you know, even last year, and I think probably this year, people are still saying, oh, there's a New Haven Documentary Film Festival. So we're still at a point where people are discovering what we're doing and, you know, we'll definitely be around next year as well. So uh, people can put it into their calendars right now. Uh, and anyway, um, you know, last year was one weekend of films. It really, there were a lot of sort of basic things we had to learn how to do and, and get under the belt and, and sort of find our way. And, um, and then this year we are partnering much more closely with the International Festival of Arts and Ideas. I, I've been curating uh, programs for them for like probably the last 10 years. And mostly what we had is we brought in documentary filmmakers. Uh, we brought in Spike Lee and Sam Pollard. We brought in Alan Berliner. We brought in uh, Joe Berlinger. Uh, we brought in you know, some really remarkable filmmakers to show timely, timely work. And, and so this time uh, we decided to overlap that second weekend for us, what would be the second weekend, the first weekend for the International Festival of Arts and Ideas, and we're bringing in Alex Gibney. Now, Alex is, a, I think, a really important choice uh, in, for various ways because Alex actually uh, grew up in New Haven, um, and uh, his stepfather was William Sloan Coffin, uh, who was a, a, a seminal figure during the late 60s and, and, and early 70s here at, at Yale. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, someone I know that Alex still feels very close to. And um, so, so, you, you know, know so- I'd, actually, I'd love to sit with uh, the choice of Alex Gibney for a second here, because that was one of the questions that I wanted to talk about uh, during our conversation about why you chose Alex Gibney and why these five films to kind of round out the festival. And one of the kind of aspects of, you're right, of my favorite parts of arts and ideas in years past have been these very big name kind of national level filmmakers that you bring to New Haven, um, not just for a kind of Yale University or academic presentation, but it was part of a festival that is explicitly open to the entire New Haven community. And it often has some New Haven tie-in. I'm, I'm thinking of John Sayles as the filmmaker who was featured last year, who's not a documentary filmmaker, but one, he recently moved to the area. Um, I believe he lives on the shoreline. And then two, the films played, uh, I'm thinking of City of Hope in particular, but also each of the other three films, Brother from Another Planet, Go for Sisters, they all deal with issues that are very relevant to the New Haven community, issues of diversity and inclusivity, um, of, of the troubles of, of borders and of um, immigration. Uh, and thinking about Alex Gibney and the films that you've selected for this festival, I mean, Gibney, his, the themes that he's been grappling with for his entire career, and in these movies in particular, seem particularly resonant right now, of in, intense kind of skepticism of institutions of power and investigative reporting that exposes the the kind of extreme ill will at the top and the almost banality of evil at the bottom. And going back to the maybe the Oscar winner spotlight last year and the story that it told about the Catholic Church sex abuse scandal or just the motivating power behind a Bernie Sanders or I don't know if Donald Trump quite qualifies, but a Bernie Sanders. I mean, there's an intense skepticism of institutions of power here. And I see that all over Gibney's work. Was that part of the appeal for bringing him or was it just he was free, and he's well. A big I game. mean, I've uh, am a huge admirer of his of his work, and I, you know, I, I've actually been fortunate enough to know him since he was a teenager. So, uh, you know, it was a way of of being able to uh, to get his attention uh, when I'm sh- I'm sure it's being uh, taken in a lot of different directions. So, 
you know, I, I think he, for him, it's a it, New Haven and Yale because he was a Yale uh, undergraduate as well. Is uh, you know, is a place that has a particular it's a, has a particular place in his heart. So you know, I know that he wanted to do this, even though he's getting ready to direct his first fiction feature film. You know, I've shown his work in classes. I've had him up during the school year. I mean, this was a chance to really, as you point out, you know, present his work to the larger New Haven community. Uh, and um, so, and for me, it was a way of, of thinking about, you know, how how one might think about him as, if you will, an auteur. What are, what are some of the things that are central to his work? I mean, you know, he, he's done a wide range of things, and, and I don't mean to say they're all quite in this level of dealing with... Uh, Abuses of power, of of, of dissembling, um, of corruption, uh, but but I think a lot of his core work, and some in many ways his best work, does do that. So for me, it was a way of like thinking of Alex Gibney as more than just a kind of miscellaneous collection of films. You know, very often what happens is you bring in a filmmaker with their latest film, right? And that's sort of that's it. You know, so then you think about that film. You know, but. The great thing about a retrospective like this is to be able to see the films in relationship to each other. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to conclude with uh, going clear about the Scientology and, and, uh, and bringing in actually some local people who do investigative uh, reporting like Jake Halpern um, and to talk with him about, about this, uh, this aspect of his work. So I think retrospectives are really important. So it's great that we, we sort of had this, as, as you will, an anchor uh, to, to what we're doing. And, and I'm hoping and, and thinking that, you know, we'll, we'll have some cross-promotion here. So, you know, we'll get a bigger audience because everyone from the first eight or nine days of the new Haven Documentary Film Festival will really be tuned in to what he's doing on the weekend. And likewise, you know, we'll have everyone who's knows about him from the International Festival of Arts and Ideas. You know, the trick is, uh, like to say about about that weekend with Alex Gibney, is that if it's a beautiful day, there's lots of competition. So, of course, the International Festival of Arts and Ideas wants beautiful weather, but, of course, we we want them to have it, but we wouldn't mind a, a slightly rainy day either. Now, I know that we've kind of, we've started at the end of the festival, uh, the, the the closing weekend of NH Talks, but I want to stick with Gibney just for one second more before diving back to the beginning and going through uh, maybe some of the more local filmmakers, or the filmmakers currently working in Connecticut, but you've mentioned Going Clear, and we will post a link to the NH Docs website on newhavenindependent.org, and we'll have a schedule of all the different screenings. But uh, tell me just quickly about a, a few of the other Gibney films that will be played uh, that weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you think about the kind of productive aspect of watching them in juxtaposition with one another, not just in isolation, uh, what do these movies tell you what is the kind of auteur uh angle that that you see emerging from this selection of gibney's work right well uh you know we we're going to start with sort of his breakthrough film the first film he uh, produced and directed and we the smartest yeah. guys in the room mm-hmm. and uh you know probably one of the most extreme examples of corporate uh, corruption and exploitation and manipulation of the market that we've we've ever seen and uh getting up close and personal to those people it was a really auspicious daring uh beginning of of this aspect of his career and then uh his oscar-winning documentary taxi to the dark side which uh looks at you will uh, vice president cheney's uh move into the world of torture and and uh, uh 
secret rendition, secret secret prisons, and and uh, and the abuses that that took place there. So you know, corporate corruption, government corruption. I mean, we just keep on uh, seeing it in, in different iterations in his later films. So Client Nine, uh, a remarkable uh, exploration of Elliot Spitzer, the governor of New York, and his uh, his sort of righteous holier than thou attitude when he himself was. Uh, you know, indulging in all sorts of shenanigans, and and uh, and of course, when he got caught uh, in this ring, prostitution ring, uh, then, in fact, I have to say that that New York residents were more than happy to get rid of him by that point. He'd really annoyed enough people. So, um, so there's that. You know, um, uh, you know, I think of Lance Armstrong and and the Armstrong lie. You know, Alex went and was going to make a kind of ret- success story about uh, Lance Armstrong's return to. Uh, bicycle racing and and was really lied to uh, out and out I, I mean i suspect there's nothing worse than being lied to the, for alex and being lied to to his face and, mm-hmm. and uh so then he goes back and and, and makes a film of, called the armstrong lie about that lie and so i I, th- I think these are films that are important to him and they're important to us so um and i i think it speaks to well i mean gibney i think is maybe best known as an incredibly prolific filmmaker. I mean, he comes out with nearly a film a year. He's done something like 30 or 35 films. And uh, for these topics that he's covered to still resonate today speaks to, and for for ones that are so kind of grounded in a specific time and place like the Enron scandal, it's so specific to a particular corporation, and yet it it, uh, resonates so painfully today. Um, And even the Elliot Spitzer movie, I mean, I just... This past weekend, I saw a movie called Wiener about Anthony Wiener and his uh, his resurgent mayoral campaign of 2013, and then his humiliating, you know, revelation of a sexting scandal, and I guess these issues of of New York politicians acting improperly while in office uh, is is nothing new. But I I think that there's a kind of a lasting interest. Are, are in these you types suggesting of stuff. that Donald Trump might fit in here somewhere? Right. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I, I think that Trump represents... Or Hillary Clinton, bit, for that matter. Yeah, I think Trump represents a bit of an aberration in that um, he uh, has has not been taken down by any scandal of which so he's far. been a part. Yes, so far. Um, perhaps a, a worthy subject of a future Alex Gibney documentary. But t- take me uh, to back to the the kind of beginning of this festival and maybe more towards the roots of it. If Gibney is the biggest name, kind of the concluding weekend, tell me about some of the films and filmmakers who will make up the other uh, nine days of this. This is an incredibly long festival. I mean, it's from a day to a weekend last year to 11 days. That's quite, quite a bit of growth. Right. Yeah. I I think that we think this is maybe sort of our, uh, our format going forward. Um, So I don't think we'll expand to a a month or something. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, there's a lot of documentary film festivals these days and, you know, we didn't want to just try and be a kind of local imitation of Tribeca that, you know, or any number of sort of top flight film festivals around the world. Um, we're focusing on documentary. Uh, you know, we wanted to do something that really was going to do something for New Haven and bring people together. So, and, and Connecticut. So, so. I mean, this is another thing. These these really big film festivals, you know, have a certain kind of idea of what's a festival film. And, you know, they're very impressive. They're well shot. They're emotional. They're But they're like, they all have a certain kind of similarity. So there's a lot of really actually interesting and slightly more eccentric films, interesting films that are particularly of interest, let's say, to a Connecticut audience that may not always get in those festivals. Now, a number of our, our films, in fact, have been at 
uh, Sundance or at Tribeca, you know, uh, or they're by filmmakers who just had a film there. So it's not like, you know, these are rinky-dink films or rinky-dink filmmakers, quite the contrary. But there is a Connecticut theme. And um, so th- this year, what it turned out, it was quite interesting, is there's all these documentaries that have come out about Newtown. Um, uh, there's three feature films uh, between, I think, two were shown at Sundance, one at Tribeca. So we're, we're showing uh, one of them, uh, uh, Midsummer in Newtown, uh, on our opening night. And that's actually a Connecticut premiere. So this will be the first chance for, in fact, I, I think that quite a few people from Newtown will be coming down for that screening on, on Thursday, uh, June 2nd. Um, th- th- this was just a theme that emerged out of what's out there. And I think that's what a film festival does is it, it sort of sees what's, what, what's the state of things, what's the mood. And so we're showing that on the opening night. And then on Wednesday, um, June 8th, uh, we're, we're yes. going to be showing, uh, three uh, shorts uh, about Newtown uh, and bringing in the filmmakers. And one of them is uh, uh, Sue Roman is a a filmmaker from Newtown who has been following this uh, group 26 um, of cyclists from Connecticut, DC. That's right. Who are, uh, who've been going around sort of advocating for uh, gun control Mm -hmm. uh, in the wake of this. Uh, I think that's an important point to bring up in that when we say that there are, you know, three or four, however many movies in this festival about Newtown, the uh, kind of diversity of films gives us as, you know, watchers and citizens of New Haven an opportunity to think about Newtown from a bunch of different perspectives. It's not just the telling of the story of the massacre at the school over and over again in the same way and kind of subjecting one to horrifying images and, and kind of an onslaught over and again. But it's, it's again, different perspectives on a story that give it a, a bit of dimension, maybe gets to think about it a different way, whether the cyclist activist from Connecticut to DC or the opening film, I believe is about a theatrical troupe that puts on a kind of rock musical version of a midsummer night's dream in, in Newtown um, is, I mean, Thinking back to the the question that I asked you about what do Gibney's films look like in juxtaposition, I mean, thinking about just this, uh, well, the first question is, have you seen all of the movies that are playing, or how did you you come to these, and were people... Well, I mean, the the honest answer is no. You know, Gorman has, uh, my my co-director has seen some of them, but there's, I don't think he's seen uh, Midsummer in Newtown. It's really... uh, you know, based on reviews and talking to the filmmaker, and we 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 felt it it made sense to get one of these three features. Now, I mean, what's interesting is the one that we were initially thinking of called Newtown by Kim Snyder is we're not showing, but we're actually showing two shorts that she directed, and we're having their world premiere. So, as it turns out, Newtown has been shown in a number of different places in Connecticut. It's it's uh, I don't want to say it's old news, but it's it's uh, on a different kind of trajectory. So. We were really happy to uh, be able to show Midsummer in Newtown, get, which is a, a Connecticut premiere, and then the world premiere of two of Kim's shorter films that really, you know, this was material that didn't quite fit into the feature films. And, and so um, uh, about a relationship between this, this man in Bridgeport uh, who lost his son just to, in, due to gun, gun violence just a few weeks before the Newtown tragedy massacre and, you know, feeling, feeling that no one was really paying any attention to his, his pain, his loss, that this was just sort of considered, Oh, this is what happens in inner city situations. And here's this wonderful suburban white community. And, and uh, so it's, it is in fact about a kind of rec, uh, understanding and reconciliation 
that goes on through you know this double loss mm-hmm. um, you know I have seen that film and you know it's a very it's a very powerful and and, and moving film um, you know we're not actually showing films that 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 reprise the the events themselves I, I mean it's uh, we're I think these are films that are coming at that terrible tragedy uh, massacre from a different perspective. I think that's kind of a nice transition into some of the films that deal with another topic that comes up over and over and again in the festival, and that is uh, the Black Panthers, uh, in that there are a number of movies in this uh, festival, at least two, um, Mayday and Next Question, that deal with the Black Panthers and specifically their involvement in New Haven, their chapter in New Haven. And we actually, we had Elihu Rubin on the show a couple of week, uh, a couple of months ago to talk about his New Haven trilogy of, of short documentaries um, and next question is the third one, and it documents, as I believe a project that was part of the Arts and Ideas Festival uh, about a decade ago, an oral history project undertaken by some local high school students to interview uh, the police officers and the the Panthers who were involved in the trial for the murder of Alex Rackley in 1971. Um, why do you think that, well, why did you think it was important to include a few movies about the Black Panthers and and either how did you come to these movies or why do you think it resonates today? There's been this really impressive uh, and high-profile documentary about the Black Panthers that uh, made by Stanley Nelson uh, called Black Panthers, Vanguard of the Revolution. And there actually was a screening here of that film, and uh, which I attended. And uh, there were a lot, a lot of local New Haven residents who were there. Um, and uh, they were pretty upset because New Haven was totally left out of this documentary. And in fact... I think that might have been one reason why Stanley Nelson, who was supposed to show up, did not show up. In any case, you know, we thought about, oh, maybe we should bring him up here to show the film, and if he would actually come and show it, that would be interesting. And then we thought about it. You know, we thought about the reaction uh, of the audience at the at, at the time when he wasn't there, and we, we decided actually what would be more interesting, in fact, was to do a, some counter-programming and bring back uh, a couple of films that were about the... the uh, that moment in New Haven in, in 1970. Uh, so we, we just, uh, it was a kind of response to, to this particular film, which we thought actually uh, would maybe have a better reception. And also, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of pleased by this, but uh, George Edwards, uh, who's, um, you know, who's often in the audience uh, at, at these kinds of screenings to talk about his experience, a former Black Panther, but he always seems to be the audience. And, and so one of the things I really like, and I think it is in the spirit of our community, is like he's now going to be at the front of the room. You know, I think this is maybe a first for, uh, for New Haven. And, and, and Elihu Rubin was really uh, insistent or enthusiastic about that idea. So uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, a really interesting uh, way to start off our, our Saturday. Right. Those movies are, so they're the Black Panthers kind of double feature movies is on Saturday, June 4th at one thirty. I believe, is that the Whitney Humanity Center? No. Or that's at the public library? That's at the uh, New Haven uh, Free Public Library. Right. And, you know, I think that that's an important thing. While a lot of our uh, festival is, in fact, at the Whitney Humanity Center you know, based at Yale, we're also very much have events happening at other venues, including the New Haven Free Public Library, where we were last year as well. And that, you know, that's something that was a real success, and we are repeating from last year. Um, and then, of course, we have a, a special event at Cafe 9 as well. Right. So in addition to having screenings at multiple locations at the Whitney Humanity Center and at the Public Library, 
You also have a number of events, either talkbacks after screenings or events that are related to screenings that are you know, not directly taking place within the movie theater, like that concert at Cafe Nine with Lydia Lovelace. Could you talk us through uh, just some of these uh, these events that are happening around the screenings themselves, uh, the filmmaker conversations that you are most looking forward to either participating in or hearing in over the course of the festival? Because it's one thing to put on a, a bunch of screenings, and it's another to actually bring the filmmakers here to engage with the audience. Right. Well, of course, almost every film screening will have the director uh, present or, or someone representing the film. Um, you know, we, we don't know if Barbara Cobble will be able to come, but she may come uh, with Miss uh, Sharon Jones. Uh, why is that but, an important thing to you to have? Why is it important to have the filmmaker or some representative of the film in attendance at a, at a festival like this? Uh, you know, you like to think sometimes that films speak for themselves, but, but in fact, I mean, there's all sorts of questions. Uh, they, they also speak, if you will, for the filmmaker and the filmmaker, you know, how a film came into being, what the filmmaker was thinking, uh, what our reaction to a film might be is might be quite different than what the filmmakers thoughts were in making the film, uh, how the film came about. Um, I mean, there's all, all, all sorts of things that I, I think make a screening with a filmmaker, you know, special, special and unique. Uh, so, I mean, other, other things we're doing and, you know, we have expanded in this way. We're, we're having a panel on uh, guerrilla filmmaking uh, on Saturday uh, at, at 11 a.m. And, and, you know, we're hoping that this will bring a bunch of young, aspiring or maybe not so young uh, area filmmakers uh, to, this, to this panel to learn I mean, Gorman, my co-director, is uh, an expert at guerrilla filmmaking, and, and I, I'm constantly uh, astonished and impressed by how he's able to really make a living, a full-time living, as an independent documentary filmmaker. There's not many people who can do that, and he does it year after year. And it's not like – I mean, he makes it look easy. It can't be as easy as he makes it look, but he, he's really learned a lot of tricks. So, you know, people just from him and then, you know, some of his colleagues and friends who he's been working with – you know, are going to come and sort of share some of their insights and ideas. And, you know, how to make films, how to make documentaries has changed so radically in the last, you know, five years, you know, certainly the last, you know, 10 years, certainly since I, I mean, since when I started in the, in the, uh, in the, in the late, in the seventies and, and early eighties, I mean, it's just like night and day. So, um, so keeping up with this is, is, uh, is something that we all have to do. Uh, we can imagine general. maybe changes in filmmaking technology, maybe driving the, those changes that you're referencing. But uh, when I mean, when you say that documentary filmmaking from when you started in the 70s is so different from uh, what it was five years ago, and today is so much different than what it was five years ago, uh, what what comes what comes to mind for that? What what do you mean when you say that things have changed so much over the past four decades? Well. I, <clears throat> You know, when I got started and beyond when I got started, I mean, I, by the time I was a you know, fairly mature filmmaker, we were all operating in 16 millimeter. And if you shot 10 minutes of uh, film, forget the cost of renting the camera, forget the cost of the cinematographer. That was like $200 for 10 minutes worth of film. And that's in $1980. I mean, so it's probably like $400. I mean, today, you know, you have a digital camera, which costs a really good one will cost less than a tenth of what a 16 millimeter camera would cost. You can, you know, an ordinary person can, or an ordinary filmmaker, let's say, can afford to own one, you know, and then you put a, you have an SD card and it's, you know, $27 for like an hour and a half of material and you can reuse that card. I mean, so 
all sorts of things are possible. I mean, this is why we, one thing we have is a uh, student competition, which is taking place on Sunday. And student films are so good these days. They're really uh, as good as a lot of professional films. And, more, and because they can take more risks, they're often also often more interesting. I mean, so student filmmaking has been transformed by this in particular. I mean, the problem still remains, of course, how to monetize this, how to make a living, because e- even if the, the SD card is almost for free, you know, you still have to pay room and board. You still have to pay for your where you live. You still have to eat. You know, you still have a lot of other expenses. And, and monetizing these things is not always so easy. And we should say on the topic of monetization, all of the screenings here are free and and they're all open to the public. And I, I imagine that it is even, even the more celebrated filmmakers who are featured in this festival, uh, probably have a difficult time making a fair amount of money off, off of the films that they ultimately produce. Uh, is, how, how is it that this festival is free? I mean, is it, where, where did the money come to to put all of this on? Is this all just a lot of volunteer time from you and Gorman? Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of, there's and... a lot of volunteer time from a lot more than just us. Um, you know, we have a, a sort of core group, you know, some, some of this is definitely, uh, if you will, made possibly by different aspects of Yale university, the Institute of sacred music, films at the Whitney, the office of new Haven and state affairs. Uh, the, these are some of the, groups at, at Yale that have been supporting us, but we have some money from the city of New Haven. You know, some local merchants have contributed. Um, it's really an institutional investment in local documentary filmmaking that this, I mean, that one of the things that I find most inspiring about this festival is that it uh, not only does it demonstrate the kind of wealth of interesting people and talented people making uh, quality movies around the state, but also the institutions in New Haven willing to support that culture. And I know that when you're talking about the founding of the festival, how, how fragmented the filmmaking community in New Haven is, and you're looking to create kind of a single space where people can get together, share practices, share movies. But it's also an example of a place where a bunch of um, kind of larger institutions can invest in the filmmaking culture of the city. And uh, I don't know, that's something that I am very much heartened by. Right. Yeah, I, I think that one thing that's special about this is that it is a point where Yale and its resources and New Haven and its audience and its resources come together, you know, and, and Gorman and I like to joke that, you know, we're town and gown. I mean, I've been teaching at Yale now for 23 years. I was here as an undergraduate. My daughter was here. I'll even say, confess my father went here. So I'm pretty much of a gown guy. I mean, you can't say otherwise. Gorman, on the other hand, you know, is about as towny as you can get. And, and, and I have to say that we we love this. I think this is a yin and yang that has made putting together this festival so exciting. And also, I think that you know, Gorman and I do have a, share a certain kind of iconoclastic uh, streak. So, you know, for instance, uh, one one film we, which we're showing, which has a world premiere, the kind of film that does not get into major documentary film festivals, but is perfect for us, is David Pilot's uh, films Skin in the Game, um, and. Uh, a documentary he sort of made about this uh, web, this this young woman who went from like modeling bikinis to, uh, you know, ending up on on, on Pornhub or something, uh, and uh, sort of just following her career. And and so um, you know he's tried to get in a number of festivals. It's a really you know interesting, great, gritty uh, kind of 
film that we'll be showing uh, Friday night at, uh, at 11 o'clock as a special NC-17 screening. So um, this happened last year as well, where we had f- people making films that really deserved an audience, and they hadn't found it. And, and I mean, it was like we, we had bestowed some kind of blessing on them. You know, and, and audiences really responded warmly, well, warmly and, and it's, uh, you know, the context also adds a lot. You know, so for instance, uh, the skin skin in the game is is going to be following VHS massacre about sort of these horror films that were made. A lot of which were made in Connecticut. A number of the horror films that they're talking about that were sort of made for release on VHS, uh, where low budget filmmakers could sort of make a living for a number of years. A lot of those were shot in Connecticut. So, um, and of course, Gorman Bashar was involved in a few of them, like Psychos. Anything that happens in Connecticut, uh, (laughs) Gorman seems to have been involved in. Yeah. No, I was very happy to see that VHS uh, massacre screening because we've spoken with David Gary a couple times here, and he was instrumental with bringing three thousand VHS tapes to Yale's uh, Sterling Memorial Library and kind of building up that that collection of physical media there and making a case for the cultural importance of of VHS. we're nearing the end of time for this interview, and I'm so appreciative, uh, Charlie, of you coming by and talking about the fest. And I, I want to get one more question to you before we let you go. And that's kind of a bigger picture question. When you look out at the state of kind of documentary filmmaking in the greater New Haven area, in Connecticut, um, what do you see? How, how do you feel? Is this a particularly kind of vibrant and exciting time for this medium uh, in this state, is it a, a you really have to scratch everywhere to find any filmmakers? To, I mean, clearly you, you found eleven days worth of screening, so there's there's a lot to pick from. But um, what what do you see of the documentary filmmaking culture in Connecticut right now? Well, you know, it's still coming into focus for for us. I think you know we keep on like finding finding people. Well, there's two things that are happening. First of all, some people come here and then they they leave. Um, Rebecca Wexler, who grew up in uh, the New Haven area, her film was actually helped kick off the festival uh, last year, is now moving to New York. Uh, She was really no longer going to be a New Haven uh, filmmaker. And and then at the the same time, you know, as living in New York in particular gets more and more expensive and and really harder and harder for for artists, for filmmakers who, uh, you know, to make a living, to... to, uh, find a, a way to pay the rent, you know, are moving up here. So, um, you know, so we're, we're, we're still at a moment, I think of, of course, this is always happening. You know, things are always changing. It's not like, oh, we're going to suddenly have, you know, or if we do have a golden moment, we'll probably won't realize until it's after it's over. Uh, so, but I, I think it's, you know, vibrant, exciting, I, you know, digital media has really made documentary filmmaking much, much more possible. And, and for instance, I mean, I, I'm really pleased that this year we have, documentaries from seven seven different colleges uh, in the Connecticut and Rhode Island area. In fact, one thing we did this year is we sort of uh, added, added Rhode Island. We're not going to add any more states, but we thought Rhode Island was small enough that it, that it was a little, felt a little orphaned up there. So uh, we we have some films by a couple of Rhode Island filmmakers. And of course, what's interesting is the Rhode Island filmmaker actually grew up in Connecticut and uh, so forth. So, and there's uh, even a middle school uh, screening at, right, from East Lyme. Absolutely, we have yeah. uh, a, f- a few films from from East Lyme by middle schoolers, and we have uh, a high schooler uh, who made a remarkable documentary that people will have a chance to see. So, I, I mean, this is uh, sort of part of our, 
I mean, dare I, 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 I hesitate to use this word, but I will, a sort of non-elitist approach. I mean, community approach. We're not, we're, we're really interested in a range of, of work and, and, and people, and we want people, we want filmmakers to meet each other. We have, uh, in fact, uh, on a Thursday afternoon, we have a bunch of filmmakers showing work in progress so that they can really meet each other for the first time in many cases. Um, so we're trying to figure out ways, to, if you will, to build around and make this community feel more substantial. We'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's a process. And I, I mean, I think the opportunity to see movies by Alex Gibney and Barbara Koppel at the same festival as movies by middle schoolers from East Lyme, high schoolers from New Haven, SCSU and University of New Haven. And yeah, I mean, all students, it's, it's a wonderful representation of the diversity of filmmakers in this community and diversity of films that, you know, we are exposed to here. So, so, you know, if the listeners to this program come, I think anytime they'll come, they'll probably be surprised and pleased by what they see. And, you know, they should get a hold of a schedule and there'll be some things that maybe they're particularly interested in. We have, you know, an animal rights uh, film, The Champions, uh, about the dogs that uh, Michael Vick had used uh, for dog fighting and that were going to be uh, youth, uh, uh, put down and, and were rescued. Um, so so this continues a kind of one strand of our festival that started last year. Um with a dog named Gucci. So, so yeah, so there's, there's thematic continuities from year to year, but there's uh, just a wide range of things that people I think will find interesting. Well, the New Haven Documentary Film Festival runs from Thursday, June 2nd through Sunday, June 12th. There are 15 documentary features, 26 shorts. And I want to thank Professor Charles Musser for coming in and talking about the festival. Thank you so much, Charlie. Thanks, Tom. Uh, and where can people uh, learn more about the festival? Where can they find the schedule? Uh, where do they see the movies? Where should people go next? Well, uh, you know, they should go to our website. We have a full schedule there. They look, look for NH Docs or New Haven Documentary Film Festival. Just Google it, and uh, it'll pop right up and you know, go to the schedule. Wonderful. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Charlie.